Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. Let's turn to John chapter 4, 1 through 26. And I'm going to read through it quickly because, I, as I said, I, I, we've known the story, and, but I want to share with you some points that I um, kind of saw as I was going through it. It says, Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John, though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on his way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well. About noontime, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jesus refused to have any, for Jews had refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, are you a Jew? And I am a Samaritan. Why are you asking me for a drink? Question one. Keep that in mind. Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift of God for you and, you, and who you are speaking to, you would, ask, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Verse 11, but sir, you do not have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this, is the, and this well is very deep. Where would, you get, where would you go to get this living water? Question two. And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? And how can you offer water? Better water than he and his sons had and his animals enjoyed. Questions three and four. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks from this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, that then I will never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you are right. You don't have a husband, for, the, for you have had five, and, the one, and you are, aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You sp- certainly spoke the truth. Verse 19, sir, woman said, you must be a prophet, so tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while the Samaritans claim it is here on Mount Gerasim, where our ancestors worshipped? Question 5. Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about, what, about the one you worship, while the Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews, but the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in that way, for God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming the one who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Have you ever been given something counterfeit? I was a bank teller for a little bit. Imagine me, right? Oh, introverted me, a bank teller. And in our training, they taught us, hey, they taught us a whole slew of things, right? But in our training, they taught us how to spot counterfeit money. And I was like, what? How can you tell if you're holding stacks of money? Which one is fake, right? If you're counting off, 
money. How do you tell which one is fake? My trainer says this. He's like, you're going to tell because you've been touching it for so long that you're going to be able to feel the difference. I said, no, that can't be true, right? That can't be true. Me, little old me training. If you guys know me, I'm always the, um, the one who always has a response or a follow-up question to the things I'm told. Fast forward, I'm at the bank one day, and I've been a teller maybe three months now, and hey, I was working at a, at a bank in Manhattan, and huge transactions coming in. Some guy comes in to make a deposit. I'm counting out his money. All of a sudden, I stop. And I look at the money. I think it was a $100 bill. And I'm like, nah. It was within the stacks of money. And I'm, and I'm pulling, I'm pulling, and I'm like, I call my manager over, I say, hey, I don't think this is real. So I'm looking at it, I'm investigating it. They taught us certain security features, which I'm not gonna share, right? And I was just like, oh man, like this is crazy. Lo and behold, the money was counterfeit. None, the guy didn't know, he was upset because we're not allowed to give them back the money at the bank. We have to keep it and send it over to the federal government. But they have, to, they have to fill out this long list of questions, where you got the money from, you have to put in the serial number, they need to figure out you know, what transactions took place with this money, then they can start calculating about, kind of circulating and trying to figure out where that counterfeit money came from. And counterfeit really means just this, it's a substitute that is represented as the original. That's really what counterfeit is. It's something that's passed off as an original, and sometimes we realize it, and sometimes we don't, and sometimes we try to figure it out. But then I started thinking about the woman at the well, and I was like, wow, Lord, you know, the Samaritans have a long history of being thought of as the worst when it comes to Jewish culture. And I started thinking about the Samaritan woman that day, and, as, and like I said, the Lord kind of showed me different things, and I was just like, wow, this is very interesting because we focus on where Jesus says spirit and in truth and amen. That's, yes, I agree. But then I started thinking about the Samaritan woman that day as she going up to the well. And inside of me, I'm like, she asks a lot of questions. And within me, she has, she, she has five questions that she actually asks. And I'm like, I'm like, Lord, but I don't understand why would she ask all these questions especially knowing, you know, that Jews don't talk to Samaritans. You know, she's a woman who's kind of been outcasted because she's had five husbands and then an extra one that she's with right now. And, and then I started wondering to myself, I said, man, I said, I wonder if she woke up that day and told herself, sleeping next to somebody who's not hers, this can't be life. I have said that to myself. I have woken up days and I'm like, Lord, this can't be life. This struggle can't be real. This can't be in and out every day. It just can't be. There's just, it's impossible. The Samaritan woman, you see, her history is not new. It actually, when I was studying it, dates back to 1 Kings and 2 Kings under a certain king who decided that he was going to mimic and replicate what Moses did in the wilderness. And he fed it to the Samaritans as their truth. 
So he built another altar saying, hey, that's way too far over there. We're, gonna, we're just going to worship here. And because of that, they kind of intermarried, and, they, had, and they, they took on pagan religions and things of that nature. And that's why they're really looked at as the lower part of the totem pole. And she asks the first question to Jesus, who was a Jew. And that's why the Bible says she was surprised that he even asked her the question, because she knew their history. She knew her history. She knew that being born a Samaritan woman, she was already disqualified from life. She knew. She knew because she already knew that they already looked at her a certain way. They were thinking about her a certain way. They thought about her kids a certain way. They thought about her, her everything, everything a certain way. They already knew that they had this stereotypical idea of what a Samaritan person looked like. And she fit the mold, right? You know, they worship differently. And she comes and she asks Jesus, he goes, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? In all essence, she's really asking him, why are you talking to me? Why are you talking to me? And it's funny because I think that that's what we do when we encounter Jesus. We ask Jesus, why are you talking to me? Do you understand that I have been disqualified? That I have come from a line of drunkards, of drug addicts, of single parenthood, of, of, of people who've been, uh, who've, who are taught to do the same motion over and over and over again outside of you. Why are you talking to me? And I, I looked at the Samaritan woman and I said, wow, she's just really inquiring me because I truly believe that that day she said, hey, this can't be life for me. This, this can't be it. This counterfeit life for me cannot be it. This can't be what my life is going to look like for the next 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years. This, this can't be it. And isn't it beautiful that we come to that place as well? Sometimes we get up and we say, man, this can't be it. I cannot try to keep making ends meet every, every month. I I can't deal with my kids every month. I can't, I feel overwhelmed, Lord. This can't be life. And Jesus comes to us and he says, hey, give me something to drink. And you're looking at Jesus like, hey, Lord, you're talking to me? Do you know me? You don't know me. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've said. You don't know what I've done. You don't know. You just don't know me. And, and, and sometimes when we go through life, I truly believe that anything outside of Jesus is a counterfeit life. Because at the end of the day, we, we as like the Samaritans were giving a replicated, a counterfeit life. Outside of Jesus, we were given a counterfeit life. So you have been told your entire life that you're never going to be something. You're never going to make it. Your kids are going to be the same way as you. You mimic. Hey, I don't know about you guys, but I mimic my mom's story to the T. A divorced single mother, young, who went about her life fighting against the world. I mimicked it to the T. To the T. And then one day I said, Lord, this can't be life. And I want better for my children. And I want better. And this is, and this is why we, me and John as a married couple fight day in and day out to preserve our marriage. Not because there's times that we don't want to walk out, but because we know that anything outside of the context of our marriage within Christ is counterfeit. We're not repeating a story. We don't want to repeat a story. And it has to be a time where we come up and we say, Lord, and, we, and, and you know, Jesus is so gracious, 
so gracious. He didn't say, woman, what are you talking to me like that for? He was like, yo, if you understood, my Brooklyn just came out, guys. <laughs> wow. My Brooklyn just came out. All right. The man, the king who introduced the new religion to the Samaritans decided that it was too far for them to go to, wor to worship in Jerusalem and therefore he made another altar. And isn't that funny that that's how sometimes our minds work? That we're so used to our counterfeit lives that we say it is way too far to change the journey now. We've gone way too far to change the journey now. I easily, it was not easy for me to submit under my husband. You understand? I was raised in a single parent home where women always had everything. We had it together. We did everything inside and out. My husband comes along. He's like, woman. No, he didn't tell me that. But he was like, I'm a work in progress, guys. But I, what I, as we got married, we went through stumbling blocks. We jumped over hoops. For me to understand what the ideal life was in Christ not only in my personal life, but in my marriage. And thank God that we have people and Jesus is so gracious. And as we walk through this journey in life, we can never say that it's too far-fetched because Jesus is strong in our weaknesses and he is able to give us the capacity to be able to switch our journey at any given time as long as we call on to him. Because in our own weaknesses, we're not able to do it, but through him, we can do everything. And if those things aren't just cliche, I, I feel sometimes that we use these Bible verses as cliche, but it is applied across the board because because of our weaknesses, he is made strong. And we're able to do these things that never in a thousand years would I thought that I can submit under a man. Never in a thousand years because I was taught a counterfeit life. It comes out, it plays out in my family over and over and over and over and over again. Cousins who are divorced, cousins who are single parents, mothers who are holding it down for their forts over and over and over again. And the Samaritan woman I could have seen because she didn't have one husband, not two. She had five and the one she was with was not hers. So it's played out over and over and over and over again. Aren't we glad that we serve a God who with the over and over again, Again, his love and his grace goes over and over and over and over again. We got to love Jesus. He holds us down. She asks him in verse 11, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? She's really just asking him how. How are you going to give me living water? Because we, the previous verses, he says, I can give you the living water and you'll never thirst again. And she's like, how? I don't understand. And for me, it's more like, hey, how can this be possible, Lord? You don't understand the ditch that I have dug myself in. You don't understand the ditch that my family has dug themselves in. You don't understand how much my ancestors have dug themselves in and have made a home in this ditch where it has been told to me that I will be this and I will continue to be this and I see it in my family and we will keep going and going and going. She's saying, Lord, how? How is it that you can give me this drinking water? Do you not see where I come from? Do you not see that I was given a replicated religion? Do you not see that I was given a different life? You don't see this, Lord. How can you give me drinking water she says the well is very deep and I believe that the Lord is is into deep wells 
our hearts become rooted in these places. They become so rooted, they become part of us. And we don't see them anymore. Sometimes I pray to the Lord, I said, Lord, there's some things that are messed up about me. I get it. Some things that don't line up with your word, I get it. But Lord, show me those things that I don't long, no longer see because they've been there so long that they become a part of who I am. They become a part of who we are. And then we say that, those, that this is the way I am. I was one for that. I'm like this. This is me. Get used to it. But isn't it beautiful in knowing that Jesus says, you know what? You're like that, but I can give you something better. The counterfeit life that you're used to, the way you manage things, the way you deal with your anger, the way you deal with people, the way you deal with your husband, the way you interact, all that can change if you depend on me. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying that it is possible. It's possible. It's possible because he made it possible for us. He made it possible for us. He made it possible for us to live an abundant life. He made it possible to trade in our counterfeit life for his because he has breathed life into us. We learned God, God breathed life into us. And before any of those things occurred, he had breathed life into us. So who you really are is the person God breathed life into. Not what your life has become. We settle for counterfeit lives. We settle for counterfeit lives, and the Samaritan woman did the same. She settled for counterfeit lives, and in, in Romans 3.22, she's asking, how, Lord, how can this be? And he goes, and in verse 22, he says, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ, as this is true for everyone, everyone who believes, no matter who you are. For everyone has sinned, we have all fallen short, of God's glorious standard, yet in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sins. Hebrews 10.10 10 says this. This is the how. For, God will, for God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. That's how, that's how he was able to give us living water. Because through Jesus Christ, we were made once and for all through him. He was made our sacrifice. The next question she asks is this, and, and this is really like, I think we go through these questions too. And, and what I really want to convey here is that we're not far removed from the people in the Bible. I feel sometimes we're, we feel like we're far removed from them. And my favorite saying in the world is, hey, people change, situations don't. There's nothing new under the sun. We know this. Ecclesiastics says it. There is nothing new under the sun, nothing that takes God off guard, nothing about your life that will ever make him, make you, make him feel like he can't handle it. Amen? Verse 12, and besides, do you think you are greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? I'm going to throw in an extra one. How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? And as I started thinking to myself, she is really just asking this, are you greater than the others? Are you greater than the others? Because, you know, she's heard this before. Can you imagine as she walked through her life with her husbands or significant others? She didn't hear it once. She didn't hear it twice. I was, you guys are lucky. I'm going to spare you the Blue Cantrell lyric, just so you guys know. 
Heard it all before. I'm going to spare you guys that. But that's what it was. She's asking a legitimate question. How are you different from the rest of them? And we ask Jesus the same thing, and I'm very big on, because of my own experience, I'm very big on applying our human standards to the Christ. I am very big on that. I'm like, Lord, the way I treat Sheila or Danny or Pastor O or Lee or Emily or anybody, the way I treat them is the way I treat you. Shielded. I was shielded. And this is the way I would go to the Lord in his presence, shielded. Shielding myself because, you know what, I've been hurt. I've been through pain. I've been through a divorce. And my young self, a divorce. I've been through all these things in my life. I've been hurt by men. I've been hurt by my family. I've been hurt by friends. I've been hurt. So how are you different? Are you greater than those who have said the same thing to me? Are you greater than those who have presented themselves to me? Are you greater? And we ask Jesus the same thing. We say, Lord, are you greater than those things that have captivated me? Are you greater than these circumstances? Are you greater than what I have been taught? Are you greater than my counterfeit life because it is cozy? But I know that there's something within me that doesn't match up. It doesn't quite fit into this puzzle. Lord, are you greater? And I like to think in my brain, my Brooklyn's going to come out again. But I like to think in my brain that Jesus is standing there looking at us and say, hey, I'm not brand new here. I'm not brand new. Because the same mistakes that you have made, others have made. There's been generations before you and generations after you that will continue to make the same mistakes because they're still living and holding on to their counterfeit lives. But he is saying through the generations before, Old Testament stuff, all the way in the back, those generations of my people who have come to me, who have neglected me. And he's saying, hey, all those things have stacked up against them, but I'm still, my passion, my compassion, my love, my mercy over generation to generation to generation to generation, it is still greater. Even when I was silent between, between the prophets, it is still greater. My compassion is greater. My love is greater. My mercy is greater. All these things are greater. I am not brand new. Your people, the people who you read about, who you, who you're, who you have heard stories of, Abraham pointed to me. David pointed to me. Moses pointed to me. I am not like those. I am not brand new. I am the ancient of days. I am the one. I am the one. I am the he who can change you from inside and out. I am the he who will stand by you in your very deep well and root it all out and replace it with my breath as I call things to become alive. As I can transform you to your original state. No more trading me off for these things that you think you know. Hold on to me. I can breathe life into those things that you thought were not there. I can breathe life to those dreams that you thought you no longer had. 
I can breathe life to those desires. I can breathe life into those things. I can be the one. I am not the same as the others. I am not the same as the one from yesterday. I am not the same from the, as the one for tomorrow. I'm not even the same as the one from 10 years from now. I am telling you that I am not the same because my love and my mercy and my grace for you, my love abounds over all things. It covers a multitude of sin, and I am not the same person. The prophets pointed to him. Our lives, whether we know it or not, point to him. We are searching for things to fill voids, and our lives are really just searching for the original life giver. John 8, 56 and 58 says this, your, Abraham, your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and was glad. 58 says, Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born, I am. I am not like the ones you know. I am not brand new here. I have seen the destruction that has gone on through generations and generations and generations, and I have seen how people have treated and mistreated, and I'm telling you that I am not like them. I am greater than them because I am the I am. I'm the one who has given you life. I'm the one who loves you beyond measure. I'm the one who loves you more than you can even fathom. I am the one that your soul searches for when you seem to not understand that you do not fit into your own life, I am. And you would think that after all of this, we would say, amen, Lord, come on through. No, that's not our human nature. We ask more questions. We ask more questions. I'm one, I'm a question asker. You have to see our leadership meetings. I'm like, but, but what about, but what about? Even with that, she goes on to ask the last question. And she says this, sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. Because he asked her to go get her husband. And she said, I don't have a husband. He said, hey, that's true. You don't have a husband. You've had five and the one you're with is not, now is not yours. Hey, you're, yeah, you told the truth. So she goes on and she tells him, hey, you must be a prophet. So tell me why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here on Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshiped? What she was really asking here was, what's the whole truth? Jesus pours out his life unto us by giving it up for us. And we ask him, what's the whole truth? Because we have been so beaten down and battered by our counterfeit lives. We have been beaten down and battered by the things that we think are true. As we went through our I Am series, we know that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And but we, we, it's almost like we want more. We need to understand more. And he is saying, he's like, the whole truth is this. Even before 
you were given this counterfeit life, even before your situations occurred to you, even before you've had five husbands, even before you went through a divorce, even before your mother birthed you, even before the foundation of the earth, I am your truth. What I have told, said about you, what I have called you out to be, I am your truth. I am the one who is life-giving. And we say this, and I repeat it, and I repeat it, because in my own life, I've had to say this to myself, and I, I say this from experience, because I know, and, you know, we get a lot of Bible verses, and we hold on to them dearly, but I know for sure what my Redeemer has done. I know that he has traded in his life for mine, for my counterfeit life, so that I can live in abundance. I know that he has given me to be above and not beneath. I know that he has traded it all, all for our constant lives, so he has taken everything that has occurred to us that doesn't fit and given us his life so that we may know him and we may have it in abundance. The worship team can start coming up. I'm going to close here. I pray that the woman at the well, as you journey through her story, that she is know that we are no different than who she was. Because we have questions. We still have questions. I've been serving the Lord since 2009. I grew up in church. And I think I have more questions now than I did back then. And all Jesus is saying is, I can be the one to remove your counterfeit life and give you my life the real life, the originator of life, the one who created you, the one who knows you, the one who molded you. I can be your, I can be the one. I am it for you. And he is not afraid, he is not afraid of your answers. He is not afraid of your questions. He is not afraid of your inquiries. I think about the woman at the well, and I'm like, Jesus didn't, wasn't like, this woman's asking me all these questions. I don't understand. I'm not even going to bother with her. That's not what he said. He answered each and every one. And he is willing to answer each and every one of our questions. He is not shaken. He is not shaken because he stands on foundation knowing that he is the life giver. I pray that you guys let this all sink in.
was two years ago. Because two years ago, God was gracious enough to whisper to me, I am still your answer. You cannot control certain things of your life and expect me to, to dive in when you're not letting me. He still told me, I am still your answer. Bring it all to me. Your luggage, your anger, your things that you don't know, the things that you wish you knew, everything you can think of. He, I saw this in a vision where I was dropping off my baggage to the cross and he is saying, but he was so gracious. God, I grew up in church. I've been in church since I was eight years old. You would think that I would have known my creator. I didn't. I didn't have a clue until I allowed him to come into my life. That sounds crazy, but I allowed him and I surrendered myself all to him. And I had questions. Lord, how am I supposed to let this go when I've been ingrained this way? Lord, how am I supposed to let this go when my mother went through this? Lord, how am I supposed to let this go when my daddy wasn't there? Lord, how am I supposed to let this go? Lord, how am I supposed to do this? I've gone too far, Lord, and he's saying, no, you can switch your journey. I can be the one. You can walk on my path. Just come and let me take care of you. And that was far-fetched, and it sounds crazy, but because I was so used to doing all of you enjoyed this podcast our mission here at christ uncensored house of worship is to love god love people and love life kuhau is a place where our story is still being written together we can do more than we can ever do alone if this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world go to kuhau.com give or follow us on any social media platform thank you in advance for your support and generosity Come and begin a whole new journey with us.